With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. No! Oh, my God. How could he do that? Are you on Donate? What? Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, we are coming to you all a day removed from an interesting game of Thursday Night Football, as seems to pretty much always be the case. When you get the marquee matchup, maybe the game doesn't live up to the hype, but maybe you get a little Jags-Bangles and hey, it ends up actually being a pretty good one. The matchup last night was Seahawks-Rams-Logan and... Rams end up coming out on top 26-17. Probably the storyline of the day is Russell Wilson leaving in the second half of this one with that dislocated finger. We're still not totally sure on what his status is going to be going forward, but should have an update on that soon. But Seahawks now sitting at 2-3, and three, Logan. I think it is appropriate to start with them. Where do you think they stand as a team right now, and what were some of your takeaways for them last night? I mean, for the Seahawks, it's... <clears throat> I took away a couple of things. One, you know, if Russell Wilson was a real tough guy, he would have just played through that Terrible the way take. Matthew Stafford did. Terrible take. Because he's a real tough quarterback. Terrible take. Now, on, in actuality, I mean, I think it reinforced a lot of things that we already know about the Seattle Seahawks. We've been harping for, again, I feel like I bring this up every time we talk about the Seahawks. Just the... The way that Russell Wilson carries his team and how they have basically no prayer when he's not on the field. And I will say, I thought Geno Smith did a tremendous job, Carson. I mm-hmm. thought he filled in really well, except for throwing <laughs> literally uh, the game-losing interception when they had a chance to win the game late. But yeah, I don't know, man. It was like uh, the Seahawks offense kind of felt like a machine when he took over, dude. He was evading pressure pretty well. The the play calling was uh, still as solid when Wilson was in. Like it didn't really feel like the Seahawks offense really lost a beat when he took the uh, took the field. Uh, but the big takeaway is they are the worst team in the NFC West. I think. Uh, by far after this, and they have quite possibly, once again, the worst defense in the NFL. I mean, they are just, they're horrendous, dude. Mm-hmm. And when that pass rush isn't getting home, which, I, I mean, a few times they were able to hurry Matthew Stafford up and, you know, get him out of the pocket. It's the reason that he threw that interception. But the defense blows, dude. And I don't, I think this is going to be the first year that we see Russell Wilson maybe have a losing record, maybe not mm-hmm. even reach 10 wins. Like, this is, I think this is the worst Seattle Seahawks team that Russell Wilson has ever been at the helm of. I tend to agree. And I think that the question that has arisen is, 
are they a playoff team? As you said, I think that clearly right now they stand as the worst team in that FC West. And since the beginning of the year, there were moments where I thought it was them. There were moments early on when I thought it was the Niners. But what was never in question, dating back to even the preseason, was that this was the worst roster in the NFC West. And that this was going to have to be another Russell Wilson carry job MVP level season. And you're right. Props to Geno, man. That 98-yard drive... Very impressive, and that touchdown throw was on the money, although it was a really misplayed ball as well. But nevertheless, he put it where it had to be. And the interception, it's tough. Tyler Lockett falls to the ground right as he's starting mm-hmm. to throw that ball, so it ends up looking ridiculous, but I don't know, could have been a decent enough decision. But I just think when we're talking about this team's playoff aspirations, what we have to appreciate is how remarkable it was that they got to 12 wins last year. And this is mm-hmm. something I've touched on previously, but if you look at what they had to do to start 6-2... and two, They had to average over 34 points per game because their defense struggled so mightily. And in fact, the two losses they had in that first half of the season, they put up 34 points in each of them. They just let up 37 and 44. So that was the first half of the year. It was just Russell Wilson, perfect football. Offense is unbelievable. The top scoring offense in football. And then the second half of the year, that dynamic flipped. They finished 6-2 in the second stretch as well. But they were allowing just 16 points per game. So all of a sudden, they've got this really strong defense. Carlos Dunlap added a little bit of necessary pass rush there. They had just a little bit of an an energy boost, if you will. And so it's like in the first half of the year, you have to be the best offense in football. In the second half of the year, you have to play like a top five, basically, defense. And I don't think that they're going to be close to either of those marks this year. I don't see how they approach either ceiling because... Over the last four weeks, you mentioned how atrocious the defense has really been. They are allowing 479.5 yards per game. They have let up over 450 yards in each of those last four outings. And on the year, they are bottom seven in both passing and rushing yards allowed per attempt. And you just can't win games doing that. It doesn't matter how good you are offensively. But by the way, this isn't the offense that it was last year because Russell Wilson isn't throwing four to five touchdowns every single time out to zero picks like he was in the first half of last season. They haven't topped 400 yards offensively once all year. And they're decent running the ball, but they can't stop the run. I think that offensively, sure, they have an incredible top two receiving tandem. But after that, I think they're missing even a David Moore, just somebody who can put some pressure on the defense, take the top off of it a little bit. And so I just think all around, we probably should have seen this coming a little bit more. I think the only thing that made the Seahawks look like a playoff team was this fundamental belief that Russell Wilson would be MVP level. And it's not like he's made mistakes this year. He just hasn't, again, had those 400-yard performances willy-nilly. And when he doesn't do that, this is just not a very good football team. And Yeah, I mean, I agree. But, you know, I don't think we should be completely out on the Seahawks' playoff chances just yet. You know, I don't think it's likely. Mm-hmm. Um I think they've got four games where I would already chalk up as a loss or that are just going to be, you know, just super tough games in general. You've got Green Bay, Arizona, uh, L.A. once more, and then Arizona again. I think those are likely all losses with how those teams look. I mean, I think they are concretely... Three of those on the road, too. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of winnable games here, Carson. You've got the Jags. You've got the Texans. You can already count up. You can already chalk those up as wins. You've got the Bears and the Lions. I mean, if the Seahawks offense is the machine that it always is in those games and Russell Wilson is healthy, Mm -hmm. I would chalk those up as wins. 
The games that I think are toss-ups, I would probably say Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh is still probably a toss-up next week. The only reason I say that, look, if I had to put my money down, I would bet on Seattle just because I expect more out of that offense than I do out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if Russell Wilson isn't healthy, that is a very interesting game. No, I think that they probably lose that game. I mean, I'm not trusting Geno to play four good quarters of football. I don't know. I mean, if we get pressure, I think we probably come away with that game. But either way... At the maximum, this team is going ten and seven at best. Like, it, you know, and, and if I had to put my money down, it's probably eight and nine. Just this is going to be a really rough. It's going to be a rough season for Seattle, and I think that you're going to have to take. I mean, like Carson, look at this, dude. Like, this is the this is the impact of years over years of just not having draft capital to reinvest in that defense after mm-hmm. you lose all those pieces. Last season, they have three draft picks. Like, this is on. This is on Pete Carroll and the organization, man. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I know that's obvious, but they have just failed so miserably in just retooling and putting, <clears throat> excuse me, in putting pieces on this defense, dude. They don't have a good pass rush. They have the worst secondary for my money in the NFL. They're they're atrocious, and I and I think what's really important, Carson, is what you touched on. If Seattle can't stop the run, they are screwed because they are going to they're going to have teams get up on them, and they're going to be able to just run the you know play the time of possession game. That's mm-hmm. not where you want to be as a team. And so I just think, I think this is really rough, and it is going to be, if somehow, if Russell Wilson can lead this team to 10 or 11 wins, this is going to be the most impressed I have ever been with him in his career. Yeah, I think that it's appropriate to say we should expect them to fall in that 8 to 9 win range. I can't see them doing less than that because of Russ, and I still think there's a clutch factor there where he just wins you so many close games as we've seen over and over again. But you touched on it, dude. When maybe the most valuable guy you've gotten out of the draft in the last two years is Freddie Swain, a sixth-round pick. And, you know, he actually is a decent enough third receiving option, but good grief, man. Like, they just haven't had the capital, and when they have, they have not hit on it. So, at the end of the day, when you're winning 10-plus games for basically a decade, I don't know that you can complain all that much and say, oh, look at how much they've mismanaged things here, but they are starting to definitely feel the negative consequences of their inability to put a team around Russell Wilson, with the exception of, again, the two really strong top receiving targets. But I also feel like there are a lot of guys who Russell Wilson would make look good. Mm -hmm. And that's not to take anything away from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, because those guys are incredible talents. But they're just not a good enough all-around football team. So I think they're clearly in that last spot of the NFC West. The team that they played, though, it is worth noting, is very, very good as well. What were some of your takeaways for the Rams from this one? I've been really underwhelmed at the Rams the, these mm-hmm. past two weeks. Like, you know, I mean, you can look at the overall offensive output from this game, 476 yards, and you can maybe think that, oh, this was, you know, they've been just as dominant as they have this season. This was not a dominant Rams victory whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they put up three points in the first half. You have Matt Stafford's interception, which I touched on earlier in the red zone to Diggs that takes points off the board. But the biggest thing to me, Carson, and something that we saw – uh, in the Arizona game, something that we have seen in this game, this team can't struggle like this on third down. You know, I mean, yeah. Stafford was just playing up missing throws, or Seattle's pass rush was getting home. Um, and honestly, Carson, Seattle should have scored more points. You have that crucial penalty on Dwayne Brown uh, that takes points off the board with the Tyler Lockett TD. Mm-hmm. They missed the field goal. That makes this game a little closer. Mm-hmm. And There was a ball on a go-route to Tyler Lockett that would have been a touchdown probably, but overthrown by like a yard. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, you have Geno Smith in for a portion of this game, and 
again, he was carving up this defense. Yeah. Like he was just picking them apart. And again, mm-hmm. I think I think we have to give credit to Seattle's game plan, uh, their play calling and stuff like that. But it's Geno freaking Smith, bro. Yeah. Like you should be able to shut him down. Like I just and again, like I said earlier, Seattle still had a chance to win this game with two minutes left. This was not a this should not be a game that Los Angeles is happy with their play in. Like they need to take you need to take inventory, you need to take stock and you know what? I get it. It's it's a short week. You know, you turn around and you have to play a Thursday night game. Take this week, you know, uh, rest up, get your guys back to full health, take a couple days off. But I think you need to uh, – Los Angeles has to go over these last two games because they have not been – this is not the same dominant team that took down the Bucks, man. You know, like they need to they need to take a look at themselves. And I think it starts with the defense, honestly, uh-huh. especially with that secondary. I agree. And look, this was my take just two days ago. It's that the Rams have shown us – they are a better offensive team than a defensive team right now. And I still thought they were able to generate some good pressure in this game. But what does stand out to me, Logan, is you talk about how they should have played a better overall game. I agree. But this is also to me like, what can the Rams be when they are firing on all cylinders? Because mm-hmm. you total 476 yards while going 2 of 10 on third downs. You put up 26 points mm-hmm. while turning the ball over in the red zone. Like, they just throw the ball around the football field. And this is not just a Seahawks suck thing. It's when you have the kind of weapons they do where Cooper Cup is genuinely always open. Like, I thought that there could have been spots in which the offense runs even more smoothly if if Stafford is just on the money. Like, Cooper Cup has that diving catch late in this one. Should have probably been kind of a walk-in touchdown. We saw Stafford miss a throw last week to Cooper Cup that probably should have been a Mm walk-in touchdown. I just look at this and think... The ceiling is even higher. They're number one right now on the year in net yards per passing attempt. Like, Stafford has been good. Stafford has been very good. I'm not in on the Stafford for MVP talk or anything because I just think this is a really good quarterback who has been put in an optimal position to succeed. And I give all the pieces around him, I give this line a tremendous amount of credit. And I give these weapons a tremendous amount of credit. So I think the Rams are going to be a fringe top five offense all year long. Even if they don't run the ball with crazy efficiency, which they didn't do in this one, they're going to run the ball, I would say, pretty well at the very least. And then it's just every down they're comfortable throwing the ball, and they have so many options. Like, this was a monster Robert Woods game. And so Mm -hmm. I agree with you. The defense needs to be better, and we'll see what level they can get to there because I didn't expect to have as many questions about that group as I do right now. But offensively, specifically through the air, They just look like a contender. They move the ball so easily. And this is what I said about even in their loss to the Cardinals, which looks like a terrible loss on paper and kind of was. They got themselves in scoring position on six of nine drives. And a lot of that is predicated on what they can do through the air. So I agree with you. They should be better. They should be sharper. But to me, that's also like, wow, this team has an incredibly high ceiling. Yeah, and I mean, if they hit that ceiling, if we see them reach their potential and, you know, getting stride on the back half of the year, I think they're going to be unstoppable. I don't Mm -hmm. know how you slow down this attack. And I I want to give props to to this receiving core, like you said. Robert Woods, 12 catches for over 150 yards in this game. It's just, there's so many weapons all over the field, I don't know how you slow them down. Deshaun Jackson, once again, they used him a little bit uh, more in the short passing attack in this game. You know, they Mm -hmm. tried some underneath stuff with him. And again, I like spreading the football around. On the year, seven catches for 215 yards. Just when you have guys like this who can command so much attention over the middle of the field, a Cooper Cup, 
a Robert Woods, a Tyler Higby, who is so amazing over the middle. Sony Michelle uh, used in the passing game, you know, on dump off passes on screens. It just opens up everything. Like mm-hmm. I just, I think I've said this for a lot of teams, Carson, but I think the Rams are one of those teams who just have one of the top five receiving cores in football. Yeah. I'm astounded every single game, man. I am astounded with what they are able to do offensively. But I completely agree, Carson. I think, I don't know, dude. I, th- I think I'm going to take it a step further than you. I think the Rams could have the best air attack in football next to the Kansas City Chiefs in, in yeah, in all the NFL. Like, I think, mm-hmm. honestly, there probably are right now. For, for what I've seen at the start of this season, I think that's my one and two. And it's a lot closer than people expect. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say at all right now. They've put their quarterback in an incredible position to succeed. And I will say one of the positives for the defense in this one is that they were able to stop the run for the most part. Mm-hmm. Seattle went 25 attempts for 92 yards. That has now been kind of a hot and cold thing for this Rams defense where they've had some brutal showings like against Arizona last week where they were just dominated at the line of scrimmage. And then you have a more positive showing like this one. But also I don't think you get a whole ton of credit because, again, I think the Seahawks are a very average team running the football all right uh there's one more thing i want to add uh we've talked a lot about matthew stafford dude i thought it was really resilient of him after they lost the lead uh in the third quarter mm-hmm. going down 16 14 that drive was impeccable you know i mean just super quick he went four or four 71 yards and a td to get them right back in this football game um another talking point dude carson you had to be impressed with the punting performance that we saw in this game dude they were pinning them down every single possession man we had uh i believe Two Seattle punts that were inside the 10, another two uh, from the Rams punter that were inside the 10. Let's give those boys some love. Mm, I guess, but overall, <laughs> kind of an ugly special teams game. Matt Gay with an atrocious performance. Missed extra point, kicked a kickoff out of bounds. We had the double punt? Like, Okay, that was amazing. <laughs> that was fantastic. And I was actually appalled by the lack of understanding of the rules by some party. I mean, it, as long as it doesn't pass the line of scrimmage, you're fine, right? Yes, that's... Well, no. Mike Pereira was saying that that's no longer the rule. He said that they changed it this year and that now you can't do that regardless. But either way, he was past the line of scrimmage when he attempted the second punt on the replay. It was pretty clear. So it was atrocious officiating. (laughs) So there you go. There's my special teams takeaway from this game. All right, let's move on to look at what's ahead this week because this was a fun one, but we have a few marquee matchups and most notably, Logan... We have Bills-Chiefs this Sunday. It's a Sunday night game. I think a couple teams that, when all is said and done, will have very strong cases for the top two groups in football. What are you looking for in this one? I'm looking for Josh Allen to eat, man. I am looking for this man to feast. And I feel like, look, not to call call out Chiefs fans that I know, bro, but they have been harping on how the injuries have hampered this defense thus far. You know, not having a Tyran Matthew, not having a Frank Clark. You know, just not being fully healthy. Look, bro, that's not your issue. Your defense just flat out sucks, and it's time to admit it. Like, I can run out the stats for you. Everybody knows 27th versus the pass this season, 31st versus the run. They're 32nd in first downs allowed, and they're 22nd in third down uh, conversion percentage. This defense blows. There's Swiss cheese. There's a tons. Of, there's tons of holes all over the field, and I expect Josh Allen to be an absolute monster uh, against the Chiefs. Oh my lord, that. Logan, that was, that was smooth. Huh? I'd like to leave the studio now, please. <laughs> I, Let's I, just take a second to let that sink in. Yeah, an we, absolute monster. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's let that sink in. I expect him to, you know, like put the Chiefs defense over a grate this Sunday. You know what I mean? Real pepper jack throw. Thanks, dude. 
What does that even mean? Well, you know, like Cracker Jack, like how an old Brit would say, Oh, what a Cracker Jack throw that was by Josh <laughs> Allen. And I would say, that's a Pepper Jack throw. Dude, we better not let British announcers get over here, bro. We're done for. We will oh, never have another American dude. play-by-play By guy. golly. Look at the lads. Look at them go. I would love that. Um, <laughs> but with how bad this Chiefs defense has been this year, man, like I just expect Josh Allen and his team to feast. And not even just Allen, dude. I expect Devin Singletary. This team can't stop the run. Mm-hmm. I, Look, a lot of people were questioning Josh Allen's abilities at the start of the season for good reason, you know? Uh, wow. Not for great reason. Well, I mean, just that he More had, for confirmation bias reason. More for, hey, I didn't think he was a good prospect, so now even though he just had an MVP season, he has two bad games and I'm out. Let me rephrase this. A lot of people thought good, Josh Allen should. <laughs> had regressed because they're stupid and they don't understand how football I love works. That. I and love they're that. blind. I love that. With their Stevie Wonder glasses. You know what I'm saying? Well, that seems insensitive. 528 total yards. He was nearly under 50% completion with just three three TDs and two touchdowns in the first two weeks. He was just off, misplacing balls, overthrowing guys. Now, intelligent people glean from that, oh, it's the start of the season. Josh Allen's got a little rust to knock off from, you know, the offseason that he needs to fix. And we knew that, but... He's picked it up dramatically. 904 total yards, 7 TDs, 1 turnover on over 70% completion percentage uh, since the first two games. And I think the key for Kansas City in slowing him down, I think you saw it in Pittsburgh, Carson, it was getting that pressure home that actually kind of, you know, made Allen speed up. If the Chiefs defense can get pressure on Allen and not let him, you know, contain him to an extent, don't let him get out of the pocket and extend plays, Mm -hmm. if they can do that, I think they have a chance in this game. I think it's a little too simple, though, dude. I think that... I just don't think Josh is a guy that you can do that. And I think this offensive line is good enough to where this pass rush isn't going to get home. I just, I don't know. I think Josh is hitting his stride, and I think we see him have an absolute monster game uh, Please stop. against Kansas City. I'm not. If I can get any more cheese references in this po- in this show, I will do it, okay? I'm not a fan of that. Listen, here's the thing. Buffalo is a team that has not played the Chiefs all that well historically. But I do think right now... They are the stronger all-around football team. I would argue that, again, if you're talking about who has less holes, who is less Swiss, if you will, it's almost inarguable. Look, they paid Josh Allen a lot of cheddar yeah, that's to, good. to win. <laughs> that's a good one. To go out and ball out every Sunday, okay? And he's going to earn his money this week. Now he's got to prove that he's the big cheese. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> the Kansas City cheese. Swiss cheese. Yeah. All right, let's talk about football for a second. So if you look at how the Chiefs beat the Bills last year, there were kind of a couple ways that they did it. The first game was just a rough all-around showing for the Bills offensively, like really rough, the regular season matchup I'm talking about here, where they couldn't move the ball through the air all that consistently. They had a hard time running it. And then the playoff matchup, it was really just that the Bills weren't able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes he was able to kind of just throw the ball around the football field as he pleased. The Bills actually were very efficient running it, but a lot of that was Josh. They didn't really try to run the ball almost at all, and I think that that was part of the flaw of their game plan, maybe. It's that they became so one-dimensional, and this is something that we saw the Bills struggle with several times last year. It's that they became a one-dimensional offense, and it was just, okay, we don't trust ourselves to run the ball. I just don't feel like that's an issue this year when you look at what they've done on the ground thus far. And you touched on how really porous this Chiefs defense has been, but they're 31st in rushing yards, they're 31st in rushing touchdowns allowed, and they're last in yards per carry allowed. So if I'm the Bills, 
looking at how successful they have been running the ball up to this point where they're averaging four and a half yards per attempt, they're top five in yards on the ground. I just think that's something that you turn to to try to establish. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to be the defining aspect of this offensive course. But again, it's important to just not make yourself one-dimensional. That being said, I don't know that they need to be all that concerned with this Chiefs defense no matter what. I just don't think that they're good. What I think is really interesting is how they counter Patrick Mahomes on the other end. Because obviously there's no easy answer. But this defense has been outstanding, and this secondary has been outstanding as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think that what we've seen with Mahomes this season is, I, even even into last season, dude, when you get pressure on Mahomes, like, Mahomes still has that gunslinger in him, bruh. He is still going to try to force balls downfield, and this Bills secondary has been impeccable mm-hmm. at counter, or, you know, at at capitalizing on mistakes that these guys have made. If it's a tip ball into the hands of a, of a, uh, of a safety, if it's a just a shot that Mahomes shouldn't take. I think that's where this game is probably going to be. Well, I think it's going to be won and lost in in two big ways. But I think the turnover battle is a big one. But look, dude, Mahomes is Mahomes led the NFL in dropped interceptions last season, and mm-hmm. you know, and was really high in turnover worthy plays. If you give PFF any credit, mm-hmm. um, Mahomes is going to have a few plays in this game that the Bills are going to need to capitalize on. Like, and I just think I think they have to do that. Like, I, and. If you get pressure home, which again, this Bills pass rush has been hitting their stride as well. I think this is the most complete Bills team that we have had yeah. in a very long time. If they can get that pass rush home, even late, especially when he's rolling out towards the sidelines, you're going to force Mahomes to panic and throw up a ball that he should not throw. And I think that's where they have to. I think the Bills have to get an interception or two. I think they have to try to force a fumble. I think they've got to get a turnover out of this team to stifle them uh, to come home and w- uh, with a win. I think the turnover battle will be interesting here because... The Bills have been pretty phenomenal, forcing interceptions thus far. Forcing turnovers overall, they lead the league with 11, but they've forced seven interceptions too. To me, I am still a bit concerned about Josh Allen making something of a reckless play just because he's a guy who plays with a lot of passion. You want to talk about gunslinging, he does that too. And look, I think for the most part, people overplay the whole he's reckless narrative. But there's just been a couple moments this year where... He's had throws that probably could have been intercepted, maybe should have been intercepted, and his couple of interceptions on the year haven't been all that great. So this is a very big matchup. This is a Bills team that, again, hasn't gotten past the Chiefs yet, although I think that they were clearly their best competition in the AFC last year. So there's a lot on the line. I do think, though, the Chiefs do not have the personnel to cover the Bills' weapons. I don't think they Mm -hmm. have the personnel to stop the Bills running the ball. And so then it's kind of like, okay, Maybe you don't need to connect on those massive chunk plays. Maybe you can just kind of say, let's put together some methodical drives here. And, of course, there's always going to be the opportunities downfield. But a lot of the Bills personnel, they're just guys who get open in that intermediate area. And that consistent kind of offense can be devastating to a defense, especially like Kansas City's. Yeah, and I want to touch on with how bad the... uh you touch on the improvement from uh, Singletary and Moss, Carson. I mean, mm-hmm. they've given the Bills over 100 yards in a few games this season. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be the big distinction. Again, you said that uh, last time this team faced off, they were not dynamic. They moved immediately away from the run. Mm-hmm. I just think that adds a, a completely different issue here. Yeah. Uh, 
against Kansas City. If they can do that, I think they're going to be fine. The, my biggest concern, and I talked about this on our last football show, Carson, is the Bills and how they do in the red zone. They have got to finish drives. They cannot settle for field goals. Anytime the Bills get down to the red zone, I think they have to convert, dude. Like this is mm-hmm. this is a Kansas City team that when they're get, they're number one uh, in red zone percentage thus far. The Chiefs are. When they get down there, they're going to put the ball in the end zone. At least that's what I expect. I mean, the Bills are also the Bills' defense is number one in red zone percentage as well mm-hmm. uh, on the defensive side, and on the counter of that, the Bills' offense is twenty third in red zone percentage. The Chiefs' defense is twenty eighth. So. We're going to see what comes out on top. It's really a meeting of the Titans on both sides. Yeah. Um, but I just, the Bills cannot settle for field goals in this game or they will lose. They've got to finish drives. And that's a big part on Josh Allen. I mean, last season, he was so effective at getting in the red zone and doing it with his legs. And I think that's something that we've seen him turn away from. Like in mm-hmm. the red zone, man, he's got to turn into a, a Cam Newton, a guy that is just going to rely on that because he is, man. If you watch these highlights, he is. Josh Allen is always one of the fastest guys on the field, man. Like, I don't know. He's so physical. Like, nobody can bring him down. I, I just think that's something that he's going to have to turn to in the red zone. And if he does that, I think the Bills run away with this game. And not run away, but I think yeah. that I think they they handle uh, Kansas City pretty handedly. I don't know if I could expect this game to be a comfortable win for them, really, no matter what, just because even though I'm a huge believer in the Bills and I think that they – probably should be the best team in the AFC at this point. It's just we haven't seen them play them all that competitive yet. Like I said, that first game in last regular season, they were outgained by a couple hundred yards. They were more than doubled in total yardage. And then the AFC Championship game, it was like the Bills go up 9 nothing because they're helped quite a bit by McCole Hardman fumbling a punt return inside their own five. And then after that, it was all Kansas City. But if they get the only issue was the pass rush in that game. That wasn't the only issue. I think that we are yet to see a great Josh game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And if we see that, if they put together the pass rush, if they run the ball, yes, nobody's stopping the Bills, I don't think. Even if Mahomes has a really good game. Like, no. Because this is going to be a real test of this Bills defense, too. Like, they haven't let up 300 yards up to this point. They allowed the Texans to gain 109 yards and had five turnovers, and that's all great. But you've played four bad quarterbacks up to this point. You've played three. I mean, you've played the last two weeks. Taylor Heineke, I don't know. He's decent. But, like, the quarterback play has obviously not been comparable to that of Patrick Mahomes. So the Bills' run defense has been great. They're laying up 3.2 yards per attempt on the ground. Through the air, again, they forced seven turnovers, and they've only allowed three passing touchdowns. That is all great. And what they've done offensively is all great. I just think... This is a meaningful test for the Bills no matter what, even if it's just a Week 5 regular season game. And I think that I would pick them to win this game outright, and I would, but it's still a lot to ask at Arrowhead. I just don't think the Chiefs' defense is Gouda enough to stop the Bills' oh, offense. Man. You know what, man? Really? I'm taking it to the bank. I'm putting I'm putting my low... My, you know, I want to make my lock of the week the Bills, man. The line continues to move down. It was 3.5 a few days ago. Really? Now I think it's 2.5. We got it at three when we made mm-hmm. our picks. I was comfortable taking the Bills on that. Again, I think that they're clearly the better all-around football team. It's just there's also a factor of when Patrick Mahomes plays games that he really, really wants to win, he tends to win them. And I understand that some of these are sort of invisible things that I'm talking about here. Josh, Josh not playing his best against the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes playing his best in those big games with the exception of the Super Bowl last year when there were so many extenuating circumstances. I still just kind of need to see it. I'll pick the Bills, but 
this is a massive test of what they can do out there. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a precursor to the likely AFC Championship game. Absolutely. I don't know who's in the same conversation as these two teams right now. I don't think there is. I yeah. mean, some people would put the Browns there. I just don't know how you do. <laughs> Look, dude, there's a lot of Browns fans out there. All right, like not actually from Cleveland. How would you go? I mean, how is how is Cleveland the next team and not Baltimore? I don't know, dude. I just feel like a lot of people got really excited about the Browns in the preseason, and now they haven't lost since they played the Chiefs, but they also haven't played very well. I mean, they did not put away the Texans decisively at all. The Bears, they really let hang around in that game for a while, and then against the Vikings, just an atrocious Baker Mayfield game. Let me ask you this, Carson, specifically to the Chiefs game. If the Chiefs win again, would you consider them like your arch nemesis? All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other half, we will continue to preview Week 5 NFL action here. You're listening to Nerd Sesh on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. Welcome, everybody, back. Hope you enjoyed that brief little break there. So, we're going to continue to break down some of the marquee matchups upcoming in Week 5 and RIs, one of which, Logan, you and I will be in attendance for. Niners-Cardinals. I think is probably the second biggest game of this week upcoming. What do you think we can learn from this one? Uh, the biggest thing I think we can learn is if the Niners have a legitimate rushing attack. And I mean, again, yeah. that has been my biggest question about this team thus far through the season. We've seen a myriad of running backs get touches here uh, from, you know, Jamichael Hasty getting some carries, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, Trey Lance coming in here and being used as a runner, and they've had some really good performances. Uh, they, you know, carved up the Lions for 131. They carved up the Eagles for 117, and just last week they put it down on the Seahawks with 143. Uh, but that's the thing. The Seahawks are 31st against the run. The Eagles are dead last against the run this season. And the Lions are 24th against the run. Against the only better-than-league average rush defense in the Green Bay Packers, who are 12th, they could only muster 67. Now, granted, a part of that had to do with them, you know, having to get themselves back into the game. It was a bit of a shootout. Mm -hmm. And they passed the test on that regard. But against Arizona, it's going to be a real struggle, man. The Cardinals' defense is stout. Uh, the Cardinals' run defense has sucked, though. I mean, I just think... <laughs> The biggest thing, bruh, I don't think you can say they've sucked. Well, they've allowed 5.4 yards per carry, which is 31st in football, and they've allowed the 26th most total rushing yards Mister, when they've been up in almost every game. It's pretty bad. Well, then, yeah, I think they've got to establish a run against them, bruh. I tend to agree. Um, I wasn't objecting to that. I think that that's true. I think that that's a huge key to the Niners winning this game. But, I mean, I think they've got to get up early, and they've got to play the time of possession game here because, I mean, as, as I've touched on, uh, and I touched on in last show, uh, on the Cardinals' just offensive attack, you just can't play... You can't play a shootout against this team, man. I, I think the Niners... and Look... I'm high on the Niners' defense. I know that points allowed-wise, they're uh, you know they're 22nd uh, defensively this season, but they forced five straight three and outs against Seattle. Man, like they've looked. This defense has had stretches where they've looked really dominant. So I mean, I think they're just going to have to they're going to have to get them off the field on third down, which is easier said than done. They're going to have to play the time of possession game, and I think they have to run the ball down their throats. You just cannot get into a shootout against this team. You cannot let them get momentum. Because I think there is a scenario, Carson, where if we see Trey Lance, because that's another factor in this game. We are. Okay, if we're getting Trey Lance, then that's exactly what they have to do. Yeah. Because I'm not trusting this kid to go out here and carve up this team. You've got to play the grinded-out slow game because if this Niners offense sputters, man, if they cannot stay on the field and keep their defense fresh, 
the Cardinals could very well just have a few big shot plays, march down the field, and this could this could be a blowout. I, I don't know, man. You cannot let this game be dictated by Trey Lance because uh, we've seen it, dude. With mm-hmm. all the confidence we've had in other rookie quarterbacks, uh, Trey was one of the ones that had the most questions coming from North Dakota State, and... I don't know, man. This is a big game, but I just you cannot let this all rest on his shoulders, or it, it could get really ugly. I think if you want to run the best possible offense you can in this game, as far as a single game outcome goes, I just think you weaponize Trey Lance as a runner. Like, why not run option stuff? Like, yeah. I understand you want to protect him, especially with Jimmy being out for now, although I don't think he's going to be out for all that long with this calf injury. I just don't think, like you said, I'm trusting Trey Lance to put the ball in his hands and say, hey, be a pocket passer 35 times in this game. I'm not comfortable with that, especially when you're trying to match up to the weakness of this Cardinals defense, which has been the run defense thus far. So I think that that's what you do. You establish the run, you turn to the option game, you turn to RPOs, rollouts, play action, all these things were mm-hmm. sure. Maybe you want to see the cowboy, wild playmaker Trey Lance a little bit. I'm not dying to for significant stretches of this game, though. Like, we know that he can make big throws when needed. We also know that he's been inaccurate, that he can hold on to the ball for too long, in my opinion. And I just don't think that's really an option in this one when you have Chandler Jones coming off the edge right at you. So, and a pretty darn good secondary here as well. I think that that's absolutely what the Niners have to do. They have tried to run the ball a whole lot this year. As we've touched on, they haven't been overly efficient, just 3.9 yards per attempt. But this is an opportunity to just go out there, dominate the game on the ground, and they're probably going to control time of possession no matter what. Because if this Cardinals offense does put up a lot Mm -hmm. of points, it's still going to be quick just because they are so explosive. That's what I'm saying. You've got to. That is part of what I'm saying, though. Is you have got to have long, sustained, methodical drives to just keep uh, Arizona off the field. And again, that's easier said than done. But if you don't, I just I don't see how this is a competitive game because then you're entrusting Trey Lance to go out there and win you a shootout. And I just don't think you can do that whatsoever. I think what you laid out is the best plan of attack mm-hmm. for San Francisco, the city. I apologize to nice. all you uh, to all you natives out there. I was hanging out with my barber today, and he said San Fran. Did he said you, hanging out. He was cutting my hair, did actually. You, did you drop kick him immediately? Yeah, I actually suplexed him. Yeah, cheddar him than me, right? And then I pinned um, him. <laughs> did you Did you win the WWE title? There was no ref there. I just got a lot of weird looks. Did you pin him, like, by yourself? Who was the ref? What do you mean? I mean, I got a three count, but no ref was there to count it. Then you didn't win. That's what I'm saying to you. It's unacceptable, Carson. I expect more from you at the barbershop. You should have, you should have like super kicked him the way Shawn Michaels did Marty Jannetty. Who is Marty Jannetty? It sounds like just some Italian American guy. Get a load of this guy. Um, anyway, uh, dude, I think you're right though. I think that this is a, I think that's the the best way for this Niners offense to work. You praised Trey Lance on this last show about how dynamic he is as a runner. Yeah, and I think that that's a way that. And not only do you sustain drives, it's a way to just keep the defense on their toes, man. It forces Chandler Absolutely. Jones and J.J. Watt to freeze at the line of scrimmage and not just try to get home every time. So if the Niners do that, like, I still I still see a way. Like, that's the thing about the Niners, dude. The one thing they're missing is a dynamic quarterback to take them over the top. And I'm not saying that Trey Lance can do that here, but they're such a well-rounded group that game to game, no matter who is at the helm— there's a there's a way to victory for this team, and I think it's also going to require the defense stepping up. And I am 
whew, am I scared for this secondary against this Cardinals passing attack. Mm-hmm. But there is a way and there is a how, but I think it lies with long methodical drives from this offense and from Trey Lance, and that's a big ask, but it's doable. Yeah, I think that the don't-mess-it-up approach is, approach is going to be kind of pivotal here, and I do think the Niners' defense has struggled in part just because it has not been able to force turnovers whatsoever. They have one takeaway this entire year, which is just kind of wild. And Kyler Murray, as we've seen, is a remarkable, dynamic talent, but he is liable to make mistakes and to force the issue and turn the ball over. So I think if you're the Cardinals, there's a lot of ways for them to put up points in this game. And I think that we saw them last week really establish the run in a way that they hadn't previously. And we know the kind of weapons they have in space where you just give Rondale more the ball off a screen and he can go to work. And we know the kind of weapons they have downfield. Like you said it, man, it's not easy for anybody to cover six guys like the Cardinals have legitimately. But I don't think that the Niners are completely outmatched in this game, which I don't know if that's some people's impression because the Cardinals have been so exceptional. Mm -hmm. I just think... As we said just a couple days ago, it's a good Cardinals defense, but I think it's a Cardinals defense that can be moved on, especially if you're just going to run the ball down their throat, and I think that that's what the Niners can do. But it's a big test for Trey Lance, no question, because it's obviously not just about physical traits. It's about managing the game Mm -hmm. effectively, and he's a guy who in college did not turn the ball over once, but it's just a completely different world. Like Zach Wilson barely turned the ball over last year, and now he looks like an idiot out there sometimes with the things that he tries. Yeah, and... Uh, another thing I want to touch on here, because I feel like we've seen a, a little bit of regression from this Niners defense. I think a lot has to do with that pass rush. Mm-hmm. Carson, what do you think is the best way for this team to try to contain Kyler? Because I think what we saw against Los Angeles just didn't work. And I think that their defensive lines are kind of constructed in similar ways, that their pressure can get home at that point of attack. Mm-hmm. But against quarterbacks like a Russell Wilson, like a Kyler Murray, that necessarily doesn't help. Like, Do you think they should just go contain the entire time and just try to keep him in the pocket? Do you think that he's just going to carve him up if they try to do that? Like, What is the, what is the best way to just try to limit Kyler Murray's explosiveness? Well... This is a Niners defense that doesn't blitz a whole ton. I think that it's tough, man, because you do obviously have to get pressure no matter what because you just can't allow... Well, first of all, obviously, you want to get pressure in every single football game. It's just going to be tough to ask your secondary to hang with these weapons Mm -hmm. for more than two and a half, three seconds. Like Guys are just going to get open. So I don't know if they need to take a couple more chances there. You definitely open yourself up to a little bit more of those big plays that we've seen Kyler attempt and hit on a lot of this year. That's also been where he's made a couple of his mistakes, though. So I think that what you have to do is just, for the most part, be unpredictable. Like, I think that they're probably going to just rush four for the majority of this game. That's what they normally do. And I think that you're selective with your blitzes. But I don't know that there's a game plan that we can look at and say, hey, that's going to work. I don't think that the priority is Kyler as a runner at this point because, sure, when it comes to broken plays, he can be terrifying there. But we haven't seen him try to run the ball a whole ton this year. We haven't seen him have that explosive game on the ground. I don't know that he's even top 50 yards in a game on the ground this year. Well, I mean, with the uh, prolific start to the season that we've seen from Edmonds and Connor, he really hasn't you know needed to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been them taking over in that regard. I don't know, man. I just... 
This is this is also just like this is a huge game for San Francisco in general, bro. Totally. Like you go down 0-2 uh, in you know in division play, you drop to two and three heading into your bye week, and you've still got a lot of tough games the rest of the way, man. You've got Indianapolis, who again they are a tough out every week. I don't care what their record says, they are still talented. When you have Jonathan Taylor, who can establish a run like that, Carson Wentz seems like he's hitting his stride a little more. Then you've got Arizona again. You've got Los Angeles again. Like. I don't know, dude. I think this is a really big game for them, and I think the biggest thing that we have to see the rest of the way, Carson, I don't think we see at this game. I think you touched on it. I think the Niners' defense has to start forcing turnovers one way or another, mm-hmm. and if they don't prove that they have that you know, big playability, because if that pass rush isn't getting home and you're not forcing turnovers, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it doesn't matter down to down if you're stopping them getting three and out. You have to be feared in that respect to be a great defense, and they're mm-hmm. just not. Again, I think we saw a different level of pressure get home against Seattle. But that's Seattle, bro. Everybody gets pressure home against Russell Wilson because that offensive line blows. I just, we need to see, basically what I'm getting at is we need to see on this back half of the season, San Francisco be elite at something, man. If it's that pass rush getting back up to speed, if it's that rushing game getting back up to top-notch level, or I just don't have confidence in them the rest of the way to be a genuine playoff contender. What's your general feeling about how this game goes? I'm leaning I'm leaning more towards Cardinals blowout. Really? Interesting. So where do you think the Niners fall short? They just don't establish the run as needed and they can't stop them? I think it's just rough with, yeah. I think that they're going to be able to establish the run a little bit, but I mm-hmm. think we're just going to see in big moments on third downs, I think we're probably going to see Trey Lance struggle to convert, struggle against a, you know, a veteran defense and a veteran pass rush, and I think we just see... The Cardinals have a few explosive plays that get them out, you know, from the onset, and they're just going to have to try to claw back in. I just, I don't know, man. This is a big ask of Trey Lance to carry it this is. team. It is. I just think you run the ball 40, 45 <laughs> times. Why not? Like, that's what they did in week one. And sure, they were up early in that game. But I think that you say, okay, Trey, let's empower you to do what you're comfortable with. And I think they could keep it pretty tight. I'm honestly leaning more like Cardinals by a field goal. Really? Yeah, man, I am just still a believer in this Niners roster. And like I've said before, I just don't think we've seen the best version of what they can be. And if they go out there and average five and a half yards per attempt and rush for 200 yards, this is going to be a competitive game. And I feel like that's reasonable. Okay, I just I just really don't have, I have zero faith in this Niners secondary to contain any of these weapons. It's going to be a lot no, on them scary. to get pressure home. And again, against guys like Kyler Murray, I don't think initial pressure at the point of attack really matters when he can extend plays and get out of the pocket. So I just think the Cardinals ball out. Yeah, that's a mismatch. I don't know. I also feel like part of this is it's just tough to play as many consecutive really good games as the Cardinals have. Yeah. Although... It's not like they played a great game against the Jags. You know, that was an ugly start. Against the Vikings, they could have played sharper defensively. They had a couple turnovers. But it's just tough to go 5-0. and And it's tough to beat multiple really good teams consecutively. I guess it would just be two in a row for them. But I just have a feeling this is going to be a competitive game. But also be fun, all right? We're going to be there. I want to see a competitive game. <laughs> Let's stick in the NFC here, Logan, and talk about a matchup out east. Cowboys-Giants, an interesting one. Cowboys have been... Quite impressive this year. And obviously we saw them barely lose to the Bucks, but since then have been rolling one three straight. What can we learn about them in this one? I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily say rolling. You know, I've kind of been it's three straight wins. And I mean yeah. that's rolling offensively. Yeah. How about that? That's that's a good way to put it. I I think that what we can see from from them is are they going to 
are they going to differentiate them? Are they going to separate themselves from the pack? Are they mm-hmm. going to prove to us that they can put bad teams away? And what I mean by that, like, I just was kind of unimpressed with what they did against Carolina. Again, I am never under really. I'm never underwhelmed with what they do offensively. But what I mean is, just if defensively this team doesn't pick up the slack, I'm not like Carson. They have forced. Through four weeks of football so far, they have forced 10 turnovers. You know, their secondary's been balling, especially uh, especially Diggs on the back end. But, I mean, despite all those turnovers, I've just been unimpressed with this defense, like, down to down. I, I just... I mean, against a guy... I, I understand, but they had 36 points on the Panthers basically in three quarters. Yeah, that's impressive, but I need it's to really see... It's really impressive. I need to see more from this defense, like... Carson, Daniel Jones is a guy who is going to keep this game close if this defense keeps playing the way they have. If they don't get pressure home, look, bro, if they come out with that same with the same uh, philosophy they did as last week, man, I think the Giants are going to eat offensively. I think this is an absolute shootout. I, what I'm saying is I need the Cowboys to put themselves... We're either going to learn that they are a genuine contender out in the NFC, which I want to see them reach because this offense is elite, mm-hmm. or we're going to see that game-to-game, game, it's 50-50 a toss-up because their defense absolutely blows. I think that's probably what we see in this game. I think we see an absolute shootout, probably up in the 30s. I think the Giants' offense balls out, and I think this Cowboys' offense balls out, but it's going to be close because Cowboys' defense sucks. I don't think the Giants are getting to the 30s. All right, bro. Like, if you look at the borderline masterpiece we just saw from Daniel Jones, his best game ever, they still had 10 points pretty deep in that game and ended regulation with 21. And the one game they've gotten close to 30 was against a Washington football team defense that we have seen really demonstrate ineptitude. And other than that, you know, they had, if I'm not mistaken, 13 on the Broncos and 14 on the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they're this Cowboys team is still 31st against the pass cards, and they're 27th in yards per attempt on the ground. I just think if they run a lot of that same read option kind of deceptive stuff, if they run screens out to Tony, you know, again, if they, if they simplify it for DJ, yeah, I, we just have not seen outside of big plays, and maybe this is where the Cowboys can pull themselves away because it's not like Daniel Jones has lost his, you know. A prolific turnover numbers. He hasn't lost that turnover well, tendency. So far he has. So this far year. he has this season. But it's still there. You know, I mean if they get a Cowboys defense has been elite at forcing turnovers. If they do that, maybe I'll be impressed. But like down to down and drive to drive, I've been underwhelmed. Like they still get marched on is what I'm getting at. And I still expect them to get marched on. Like Carson, this was a Carolina Panthers offense without Christian McCaffrey and they still got twenty eight put up on their head. Like Yeah. I suppose that's true. I continue to be honestly impressed by Sam Darnold, though. I'm not going to sit here and sing the praises of the Cowboys' defense. It's a bad defense. I just don't think the Giants are going to be the team that takes the utmost advantage of that. And I also think that this offense is absolutely outstanding. Like, Dak's completing 75% of his passes this year. And we just saw them have an utterly dominant game on the ground where they put up 245 rushing yards and Zeke and Tony Pollard and Dak honestly are all outstanding there. Like I just think there comes a point Logan where it's going to be tough for the Giants to stay competitive in a game where they can't get stops. You put you picked the Giants to cover, correct? I did, but it was my toughest pick of the week and that's cuz it's a touchdown. And that's a pretty big line, but Listen, I went back and forth several times because I can see a lot of worlds in which the Cowboys just blow them out of the water because it's putting a lot of faith in Danny Dimes just because we've seen a few good weeks. And we came out here and gave him his just due a couple days ago. 
But I don't know, man. I don't know how many times the Giants are stopping the Cowboys in this game. So I think that, look, they could easily be 5-1 and one going into their bye week. They go to the Patriots after this. That's maybe close to a toss-up game, but I think they're clearly more talented. And it's just a dynamic offense, and that's just going to win out over solid defenses and mediocre offenses. And that's kind of what they have over the next couple weeks. Even if you're impressed by what the Giants have done, I think mediocre is still maybe generous, and the defense hasn't been as impressive overall, I think, as it was towards the back half of last year. So I think it's around a touchdown game, but I think the Cowboys have a chance to prove that they're, I mean, look, I think they could easily run the table in the division. I think they could go 6-0 in division. Mm -hmm. I think they could win easily 11-plus games. And I didn't fully expect that coming into this year. Even though I had a tremendous amount of faith in this offense and had a tremendous level of skepticism in this defense, actually seeing it now, how easily they are moving the ball on the ground and through the air, how good Dak looks, like, there's just nobody in the NFC East who can compete with them to me. So I think that's what they have a chance to prove is just to continue to create that separation. I don't think anybody would consider another team in the division even close to on their level, but this is a chance to, again, just sort of cement that because they haven't played, well, they've played the Eagles, but only one division game so far. And I don't think that happens. I think we see the Cowboys are the same team that we've seen for the past couple seasons when Dak has been healthy. Okay. Well, I think it could be a competitive game. I also think it could easily be a blowout, and I don't see how the Giants win this football game. I'm not expecting the Giants to win either, but I think it's going to be really close down to the wire. Okay. Interesting. All right, one last game here. Quick bullet points before we get out of here. Colts-Ravens. It's the Monday night game. Do you think the Colts have a path to winning that game and putting their season you know, back on a more promising track after such a rough start? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we've seen this defense improve gradually uh, over the you know past couple weeks. Their league average against the rush, they're pretty they're a lot better against the pass but I think the most improvement we have seen is offensively Jonathan Taylor finally had his first 100 yard rushing performance and I think we see him reestablish that against Baltimore Carson Wentz played his best game of the season last week against Miami through multiple mm-hmm. TDs and don't get me wrong I they're not overwhelming offensively or defensively and I'm I'm kind of disappointed because I expected this team to be elite on both ends of the f- uh, of the field this season but I think what we're seeing is this team is their league average but if you have a balanced attack offensively, Wentz can play off of that play action really well. There's weapons here to help him in a uh, Paris Campbell, a, in uh, Michael Pittman. I mean, I just think we have seen gradual improvement out of Indianapolis, and I think that they've got a good enough run defense to where this won't be an absolute you know barn burner uh, for Baltimore. So I, I just we've seen gradual improvement this far this season, and I think this is going to be a lot closer than people expect because I feel like Indianapolis is a pretty heavy underdog in this game. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it's a touchdown right now that the Ravens are favored by, and I think that's too much. I think that, again, this was a rough start for the Colts, but also against some really good football teams, and if they can come out of this one with a win on the road, I think that they could honestly be the favorite to win the division again. I don't think that they're going to win this game, and you drop to 1-4, and four, mm-hmm. you're in a tough spot, but look, they still have five AFC South games left, <laughs> and I don't know why they wouldn't be the overwhelming favorite to win four of those, and then... When you have the Titans at home, I think they're probably still the favorite in that game. Like, yeah, it wasn't the prettiest start, and I think that people who thought the Colts were going to be a 12-win team and a lead on both ends, they've been disappointed. But if you thought they were going to be a 9-10-win team, 
I don't think that it's been like, oh, they're not even close to that. It's just sort of the feeling out period, getting everything to click, and now, after this week, getting into a bit more of a favorable stretch of your schedule. So I think they're an interesting team. I think they keep this game competitive. Also, massive revenge game. Colts <laughs> against the Baltimore Colts for Johnny Yu. Great storyline. Thank you. I mean, I'm sure our viewers something to watch. I'm sure our viewers who are, you know, 70 or 80, they love that. <laughs> something to watch, Logan. All right, that's going to do it for us here today. As always, hope you've enjoyed. If you have, you can find more Nerd Sesh content on YouTube where we live stream a couple of these shows a week talking NBA and NFL. Next week, we have four shows coming, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then this live show on Friday. Tune in for all of that. You can also see that we do some specific video breakdown, video essay content there on our YouTube channel. You can follow us on social media. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh. Instagram is at nerd sesh. Logan's going to make a cheese pun. I can see it. All right, go for it, man. No, 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 no. Keep it going. Keep it going. Wrap it up. All right, well... That's it. This was Nerd Sesh. You stole it. I was going to say this has been Curd Sesh. Come on, Carson. (laughs) All right, let's try that again. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Curd Sesh. We'll talk to you guys soon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.